0: Father, we love you. We can do nothing without you. We ask that in this moment that you would speak to us. We pray that when we walk away from this place, we would know that you have spoken and we would be more like you. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said amen. amen. So honored to have you here. Listen, I want a lot of you to sign up for that MTI, Ministry Training Institute. Uh, praise God. Us at 6.30, like my grandfather would say, 6.30 in the morning. Amen. So, uh, and it's from 6.30 to 7.30, but we did that for a reason. I do not want you there if you just want to learn the Bible. I want you there if you want to learn how to do ministry. And there is a difference, because those that want to learn the Bible, you might want to become more intellectual and more insightful. But people who want to learn how to do ministry want to learn how to serve better using God's Word, all right? And so I really want to use that time as a training Uh, It'll be from 630 to 730. I'll stay on after. There might be questions that you have. So I really want to take that time to grow close to some people who want to lead, and I want to train others. Well, in light of that, we are coming to the last chapter in the book of Romans. And in this last chapter, Paul the Apostle is going to challenge us to think about a particular question. The question is predicated on a belief. Do you believe that God has a specific plan for your life? Do you believe that God has a specific plan for your life? If so, if you believe that, do you believe right now, are you confident you are fulfilling the assignment God has given you? Are you confident of that? that you could look in the mirror right now and say, I am fulfilling the assignment of God on my life. Because in this text, Paul, in chapter 15, is going to say, I am fulfilling my assignment. He's, in Romans 15, he's come, he's explained doctrine, first few chapters, and now in chapter 15, this is a bit of an epilogue, he's closing out the book, Chapter 16 is a bunch of goodbyes, but chapter 15, he's going to take a snapshot of his ministry and how he ministers. And one of the profound things he says is, I'm actually doing what God wants me to do. Don't you want that confidence? Don't you want that certainty of knowing I am doing exactly what God wants me to do? A friend of mine was telling a story, a pastor. He said he was getting a master's degree. While getting the master's degree, he decided that he was too busy to go to class. So he cut class the whole semester, praise God. I know none of you have ever done that. And because he cut class, he really didn't know what was going on. It was one of those classes that the class was based on one paper at the end of the year. So he cut class the whole time. All of a sudden, three weeks out, the teacher says, this is when the paper is due. And so, of course, he starts cramming. He starts looking at research. And he wanted to do really well in this class, even though he cut it all the time. And so he thought to himself, here's what I got to have. I got to have good content. I got to have good grammar. And it's got to be a good flow. I mean, it's just got to flow. I got to got my content together, my research My grammar, my flow, I got to get that together. So he works. And you know when you feel that confidence like you did the thing? Like, you know, when you really worked that paper? He laid that paper down in front of the teacher confidently. A week later, he comes to class, gets the paper. And you know when there's a lot of writing on the back, you're in trouble? You know when there's a lot of writing on it in red? And I don't know why teachers use red. I don't know what's going on in their hearts, but they have that red. And on top of the paper, it was a big F. And he thought to himself, I had great content. I had great research, and I had a great flow. And on the back of the paper, the teacher wrote, Mr. Ulmer, this paper... Is profound. You have great content. Your research is dynamic, and the flow is compelling. He said, Mr. Omer, there's only one problem. You've done the wrong assignment. I once saw a movie. I don't know the movie itself, but I just saw the title, and the title was An Unfinished Life and how haunting it would be if we saw the Lord and he said, good career, great car, big house, wrong assignment, very talented. You worked hard, you were in all the things, you never missed out, but unfortunately it was the wrong assignment. We will see the Lord, we will know the Lord, but do you wanna be confident that you're in the right assignment. Amen? Paul the Apostle is going to give us this vision in Romans chapter 15. Go there in your Bibles if you would, or just look on the screen. Paul says, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring Gentiles to obedience. Now, we're going to talk about that in a second, but Paul knew that his specific assignment was to preach to unreached spaces, to preach to Gentiles. That was his assignment. But he goes on to say, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way down to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once you look back there in verse 17. Paul says, this is what I was called to do. And he says, this is one of the things that I saw. I saw I was bringing Gentiles to obedience through word and deed, power and signs, and the power of the Spirit of God. What he was saying was, I was serving God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would confirm the work that I'm doing. Another way that Paul would say this is, I am effective at doing what God has called me to do. One of the ways to be more confident in knowing that you are doing what God has called you to do is that you are effective in doing what God has called you to do. You see the Spirit of God moving when you do what God has called you to do. When serving people, one of the things that I am always perplexed by is when people want to do something they have no business doing. And one of the ways to know that you are doing what you should be doing is people tell you you're good at what you do. And I want to be very encouraging to you right now. The Lord is not playing hide-and-seek with your calling, okay? Okay. He's not, it's not, it's not like some mystery game where he's like, I don't, how do I find it? God wants, God has designed you to do something. And because he's designed you with a specific calling on your life, he does not want you to miss it. In fact, he wants you to fulfill it. And one of the key ways of knowing that you are doing what God would call you do is people feel the presence of God and the power of God when you do The thing that you do. Some of you may write, some of you may act, some of you may sing, some of you may draw, some of you may lead. Whatever you are doing, there is a level of effectiveness where people appreciate what you're doing. And it's not just that you are skilled, it's that you are spiritual. The Spirit of God starts doing things, and people start seeing the Lord in you. It is not about vocational ministry. I pray that, I, in fact, I pray that all of you would be scattered throughout New York City doing variety of things for the glory of God. You know, I, I, people joke with me because I've worked so many different jobs, uh, and it was just because I was broke all the time. And I, and I did. I worked at a turkey plant. I worked at a place called Wampler, Turkey in Harrisonburg, Virginia. True story. And... I don't have, I was a security guard there. And so I don't have this, I don't have a security guard gift. Amen? Like, there's no gift of security guard. Okay? And I literally, my job was to sign people in when they came in. But as people would come in, I would talk to them. And, and, and what God brought out was a ministry gift inside of me. And he gave me the ability, I had a, I had a college degree but I was working at a turkey plant and I didn't know what God was doing, but see, God was taking me and he was saying, James, I don't want you to be one of those up here people. I want you to have a college degree and work with people with no high school degree. And I want you to learn how to talk to all types of people. I didn't realize what he was doing, but what was happening was God was making me more effective with being able to talk to all types of people. And what I'm telling you now is there is something that when you do it, no one else can do it. You are effective at something. And God wants to use that something to talk about himself. Whether it's drawing, writing, singing, God has given you a specific skill set that you are effective in. He did not make you deficient. You are not broken in that kind of way. You are good at something for the glory of God. Amen? And he is not hiding it from you. And so Paul says, listen, I know, I've done this. But the other thing he says is, He said, I've done this from Jerusalem to Illyricum, and that's spanning 1,400 miles. And I don't have time to get into this um, in detail, but one of the things that you see Paul doing is he has a wealth of experience. So not only is he effective, but he's experienced. He has done what God has called him to do a lot. 1,400 miles spans Jerusalem to Illyricum. And over time, as you serve God, as you serve people, you begin to have wisdom through experience and through being with all different types of people. And really what that takes to have a wealth of experience, it means you have a wealth of faithfulness. You stuck to the task. And that would be the third point. You get experience over time, but you only get experience through endurance, Paul will talk about endurance in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, I don't have time to get into this. But what Paul was prophesying was that there's going to come a time when people will hear sound teaching and there'll be another teacher that will be unsound and it will be more fluffy and soft and will not bring conviction, but it might bring inspiration. And they're going to gather those teachers and they're going to find a way to discount the teachers who are doing sound, solid ministry because there's a puffy, soft ministry that brings more comfort. Whole nother sermon, whole nother day. He says, but as for you, watch this, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of a man, evangelist, and look what he says at the end fulfill your ministry. Just because people are becoming more popular because they have a softer teaching method does not mean you need to get distracted by popularity. Don't get distracted, Timothy, is what he's saying. And he says, in order to do this, you must endure suffering. The way to clarity about your calling first is knowing what you have been gifted at. Certainly, it is for you to to know what you're effective at. Certainly, you must gain experience. But the way to become clear-minded and confident is through endurance, And if there is something that this generation is lacking, it's endurance. The ability to push through when something is pushing back. The ability to keep fighting. Staying power. You know, I love uh, this imagery of endurance. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. We love Paul the Apostle because he wrote 13 letters in the Bible, amen? And so we just have gained so much of his ministry. But the effectiveness he had in ministry, the experiences that he had, it was fueled by his ability to endure. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I just want to read it. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one, meaning I got beat down. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day adrift at sea. One, on frequent journey. In dangers of rivers. Dangers from robbers. Dangers from my own people. Dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in wilderness. Dangers at sea. Dangers from false brothers. In toil and hardship. Through many sleepless nights. In hunger and thirst. Often without food. In cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my own anxiety for the churches. And we see Paul's effectiveness but it was built out of endurance. And my concern for the church is people don't endure because they're easily offended. And part of our fragility comes from the fact that there are so many comforts that we've gotten used to in ministry and in life. And the truth of the matter is, if you really want a powerful ministry, powerful ministry will be part of God's drama, and God's drama is always compelling. What if it said, Noah started building the ark, it didn't rain, and Noah said, forget this, not build no ark, I don't see no rain, what if they started, it says that they, for seven days, they went around the walls of Jericho and sang, and shouted, what after the fifth day, they said, you know what? I just don't see the walls coming up. This is stupid. And they ended their ministry. What if Abraham, who was called to have a child, decided, I'm not seeing anything. So I will go back and figure out a new plan. All of the drama of Scripture comes from people pushing through hard times. All of it. And we have lost that ability Because we don't see the drama of Scripture. The beauty of that drama. And you think about movies. Any movie you've seen, it was compelling because there was a moment where you're like, how are they going to get out of this? How is this going to work? And I fear for our culture today. Because when we get hurt and offended, we don't endure. We don't push. We don't stay solid and stay firm. And when you are a person that can't handle that, you'll never fully see what God is calling you to do because God has called you to be tested. He's called you to trials. He has called you to suffering, suffering for the ability to do what God has called you to do. When you come and you move to a city, to start a church, over the years, people start saying, I want what you have, pastor. I have guys come from different cities and say, man, I want y'all in a jazz club? Man, I want to be in a jazz club too. Are you willing to wait four years and look at 43 different locations? Oh, man. Look at you, Pastor Josh, Pastor Russell. You got y'all the Avengers for Christ. Look at y'all. Y'all got all these different pastors. Oh, look at Mark. He's worshiping. Look, you got all these people. I remember when there was no one. When I led the worship ministry, amen. When I was the executive pastor, when I was the teaching pastor, like I did all that. And, I, and I'm saying that much of the fruit you will see will be the fruit of endurance. And reason why a lot of people, a lot of people, don't endure is because you are so focused on other people's success. And you do not see that behind the scenes, it is drama. It is the, it's God's drama. God's, God's drama is just hard and rocky and difficult. But if you endure, if you don't grow weary in well-doing, you will reap a harvest if you faint not. You'll see an abundance of ministry if you faint not. Simply, Simply stated, I believe that God calls us to hard things. Do great things for God, and when it gets hard, don't quit. Oh, pastor, I don't know if I should sing. Do something great for God. And when it gets hard, just don't quit. Keep pushing. Keep enduring. Keep serving. Keep praying. Keep asking God to fulfill your ministry. So what do you want to be? You want to be a social media influencer? Praise God. Do it. I hope you get a blue check, green check, red check, all those checks. But do it for God's glory. Don't do it for the check. You want to be a lawyer? Be a lawyer. Be a doctor. Do it. Do it for God. What do you want to do? Do it for the glory of God and his ministry, and it will bear much fruit over time. The problem I think many of us have is we are trying to find our ministry when it's actually God's ministry, and I think we think oh, I I haven't found my ministry. We think the phrase my ministry is actually something that's going to make me comfortable. J, Christopher J.H. Wright put it this way. We ask, where does God fit into the story of my life? When the real question is, where does my little life fit into the great story of God's mission? And the actual question isn't, man, what am I going to do that's going to blow me up? That's going to get me a platform? Because we tend to think God's usage of people is from being seen and known and not just being effective. And God wants to use people for his glory. And some will be behind the scenes and some will be up front. Paul's specific assignment, he would say, in Romans 15, 20, and 21, he says, "He says, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. I love what Paul says. Paul says there, my ministry, he said earlier, is to go to Gentiles, but he says something different. He says, I try to go to areas where where there is no ministry being done. And I don't want to build on anyone else's foundation. So Paul felt it was his personal ambition to have that unique calling. For many of us, we may struggle, what is my specific calling? What does God want me to do? Paul's call was to go where no one had ever been where God is calling you may not be abundantly clear. But one of the things that I think you cannot deny is Paul's story is one that's unique. And I believe his ministry flows from his unique story. In Acts 9, it talks about how Paul came into the faith. It says in Acts 9, Saul, still breathing threats, And murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Understand, Paul tactically attempted to create a genocide of Christians because he hated them. His hatred and his zeal came from his love for his Jewish heritage this unique story that God gave him, you see all throughout his letters because this man went from trying to kill Christians to them being a missionary for the sake of Christ. When you look in Paul's letters, one of the things you talk about, you hear him talk about all the time is grace. Grace. All throughout his letters. And I believe that God called him To the Gentiles, because he was well acquainted with knowing he did not deserve it. He knew if it had not been for the grace of God, he would be separated from God. And so that that was part of all of his ministry. And I believe that for you, there is something in your story that God has uniquely woven for a unique aspect of God's glory. In other words, there's something specific that the Lord has taken from your story and he wants to shine a light through it so that people would know more about him. For Paul, there was something about the fact that he was a murderer of Christians that made him to think that only the grace of God had saved him and that filtered all throughout his ministry. And I pray that as you think about your story, you think about some of the broken areas that you've been a part of. And many times your story is the platform for how you want to help other people. I've shared in the past, um, my, my parents, they ended up getting a divorce. My dad's a pastor and uh, they were married for 30 years. You know, it's crazy. They've been divorced for 30 years now. So they were married for 30 years and they've been divorced for 30 years And the reason why I left the faith was because of my parents' divorce. I felt like Christians were fake. I felt like everything they were saying wasn't real. And so when I got married, I was like, I don't don't know how hard it's going to be, but we're going to stay married, right? Because I knew what I had been through. This weekend, I did a, a conference called The Power of Us. We did it at this church. I've done The Power of Us all throughout the country. And The Power of Us is a marriage conference I do. I don't think God has me doing that because I have a unique way of talking about marriage. I think my passion comes from my brokenness. My passion actually comes from my pain. Because I remember ministering to my mother when she was so confused, 17 years old, trying to explain what God was doing. I hadn't read any scriptures. I'm trying to explain what God is doing. I'm trying to piece together my life at a young age. And much of my pain is now the, the platform for my passion. And I believe the same is for many of you. That where you have been most broken, God wants to use that to serve people. And Paul would say this, or, or uh, the Lord would say this to Paul in Acts 9. He says, Acts nine fifteen. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Paul's ministry came out of the fact that the Lord had called him to that. But I love that phrase that God said to Paul, you are my chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. You're my chosen instrument. And when I think about all of you, the specific way that God has designed you, the unique way God has designed you, I know that you have been made and designed like an instrument for God. And he says, Paul, I'm going to choose you to speak to the Gentiles because there's a particular sound that I want people to hear when you speak, I want them to hear grace. And so you're my chosen instrument to the Gentiles. I believe that in order to be confident in ministry and fulfilling the assignment God has given you, you have to know that what you do, only you can do. And the sound you make, only you can make because you are God's chosen instrument to make a particular sound. You know, for months, I don't know if you realize this, for months, we couldn't have the drums in here because the drums were too loud for the other areas in the building. And when we didn't have drums, one of the things I noticed was um, things are different when you don't have drums. Like the vibe is different. Like, it was acoustic, and I just want to say there's certain ethnic groups, praise God, that, that need drums. And I just started noticing, like, we would have the guitar, and folks would be, like, into it. But you could just see, because in the afternoon, we would have drums, and I was like, oh, man, this is a totally different vibe, right? And I can tell you right now, I could go, you know, and I, I'm just going to speak to black people just for a second, but I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> to all of us. You can go to any arena, any arena— any arena, and they start playing music, and some bass will come on. You just see the black folks go, "Mmm, mm, mm. ah," <laughs> uh-huh, you know. And I'm just telling you, and I, and I believe that music is like a language, and I believe it, it starts to it, it, it starts to penetrate our subconscious in a particular way. And there are different sounds for different cultures, and and what I'm saying is is that when you have drums, it, it brings out certain elements, part of in the in music. And all I'm trying to say is, I fear that so many people try to sound like somebody else. That God made you as a chosen instrument to sound like you. For your voice. And you are his chosen instrument. He literally picked you up and said, I want to make this sound. And I want to make this sound. And when all of us are together, there's this incredible sound that it makes. But you've got to be comfortable with you. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do is to find your voice and to find your sound. And the way you do that is by consistently serving people and loving people. And not being willing to be a copycat of anyone else. Part of what I think, and I'm going off script here, but part of what I think, part of what I think is a big challenge for us now in our culture today is we, do you want to bear fruit or do you just want to be humanly successful? Because bearing fruit may not look like human success all the time. It may not mean that everyone's blown away by you. You can be deeply obedient yet unknown. And I think that part of what I see people doing, and I, I don't, I don't want to get on some big social media kick, but I just think we, we are so mesmerized by people we keep seeing when we, we begin to think whoever is being platformed by humans must be being used by God. <laughs> we, we think whoever humans are propping up, God must be the one doing it. And if that is your litmus test for success, you will be sad, confused and filled with comparison and our narrative actually is supposed to come from the drama of scripture our heroes are supposed to be paul and joseph and moses and gideon and Barak and samson our heroes because we see their whole story we see all their brokenness you do not see the brokenness of all those people you think are platformed you do not see the honesty and the depth of their ministry and so because of that, we get so confused and so filled with copying the voice of others, copying the sound of others. And God has, God has given you a unique story. That's one of the things I love about meeting with people. I start hearing their story, and no story is boring. You know, they're, you know I talk about I used to bounce in the club and do all this. They're like, Pastor, I didn't, you know, I didn't sell drugs. I didn't do all this. I'm like, well, tell me your story. Let me tell you this. If you were a child and you started walking with God at like 8, and now you're like 28 and you're still walking with God, I want that story for my kids, all right? I don't want my daughter to be like, yeah, so you know I was out there doing all this dirt. And I, I don't, that's, that story blows my mind, okay? That's a, that, to me, that is powerful. You stayed faithful throughout college? Wow! Like, it's a, praise the Lord! And and God gave you a specific, unique story. You're going to tell the story differently. You're going to minister differently. You're going to sound differently. You're going to move differently. And what gets produced from you will be different. But you've got to be committed to not only loving God, but being you. And not getting caught up in what other people are saying and doing. I am struck by Paul because I think one of the things that God does to purify our ministry is to give us desires. sometimes he will not fulfill doesn't that feel like almost like it almost feels painful to even say that God will give you a desire but he may not fulfill it in your lifetime Look what he says in Romans 9, 24 and 25. Paul said, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. He's writing this to them. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. Now, in verse 25, Paul ends up going to Jerusalem. But in verse 24, when he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Do you know what ended up happening? Paul didn't hope to see them in passing. Paul ended up going to Rome and he ended up in a Roman prison and he died in that prison. Paul never made it to Spain. Paul never made it to Spain. Paul planned to go to Spain. Paul desired to go to Spain, but he never made it to Spain. And I think one of the key things God does to purify our heart for him is to give us a deep dream, a deep desire to do great things for him. But not all of it will be fulfilled. When you look in the book of Hebrews, he says many of them died without the promise. They did not enter into the promised land. Can God take the very dream he gave you? Can he take it back? The thing, that the deep ambition you have, can he take it from you? The plan that you made, can he keep pulling it back? The thing that you feel so passionate about, can he have it back? Or will you leave him because you don't get the very thing you've been dreaming about. I believe God takes back things that he's placed in you because he never wants your goal to become a God. He always wants it to be about him. And he will purify your ministry and your desires. I want all of you to have houses, cars, clothes, ministry. I want all of y'all to be booed up. Sure. But is he good if he doesn't give it to you? Psalm 131 The psalmist says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and things too marvelous for me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. The psalmist would essentially say, my ambition got a hold of me and I decided to pull back and just be with you. Would you stand with me? I don't want to pray for the one right now that wants to become more confident in the assignment God has given you, in your understanding of what God has given you. If you are uncertain, you're saying, I, I don't. I just want to become more confident in what God is telling me to do. Just lift up your hand. I see all those hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you build the confidence of the saints in the room? Would you increase their understanding right now in the mighty name of Jesus? Father, we want to do great things for you. God, we want to serve you. And when we leave this earth, I don't want to hear wrong assignment. I want to hear well done. God, we want to hear well done. And so, Lord, I pray that we would push through and endure. I pray we would serve greatly. And for the one right now who is confused about their calling, I pray that they would run to you and they would grow deeper in their devotion. Holy Spirit right now would you pour out a blessing on those who lifted up their hands and I pray that you would season them in ministry that they might know you more in Jesus name amen is there anybody here today that is uncertain about knowing Christ if that's you just lift up your hand if you are uncertain that you know Christ today just lift up your hand Today, you want to come into a relationship with Christ. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless the rest of this time. Use it so that we might know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you.